Hey everybody, this is Bob Mackey, the host of Talking Simpsons, here to introduce uh, something a bit different than our normal thing. Uh, this week we will be doing the first episode of The Critic, just titled Pilot, because it aired in this chronology that we're doing now. So it aired in the middle of season five, and we feel like it's so closely connected to The Simpsons we need to talk about it. Yeah, it was January 1994, the end of the month, and it was time to move on to it. I wanted to try doing a special episode like this because we talk about the critics so much we do. in the show, especially talking about all the season four people that left to work on the critic, that I felt we had to at least do the first episode. And since I was not, I am not on this episode, uh-huh. I'm just in the intro. You were uh, voted off the uh, <laughs> Simpsons Island. But it, the critic is so good from the first episode, I think, because of every single lesson learned Mm-hmm. via The Simpsons. And also barring a lot of the same talent, totally. like James L. Brooks, uh, Rich Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Jay Sherman is designed by David Silverman, a uh, great director. They set much sillier rules for themselves, but I think they knew that going in that they wanted they mm-hmm. wanted it to be a sillier show. And like the show does, it's short-lived, but maintains, I don't know, a pretty perfect tone the whole time. Oh, yeah. I really, like it holds up really, really well. And it also doesn't hold up really, really well in that it is a relic of that era and it was supposed to live right now in 1994 and that was all it was meant to do it's a perfect time capsule yeah. I mean this is the time I was paying most attention to movies yes. because there was nothing else happening in the world mm-hmm. so I know everything they're talking about mm-hmm. now that I'm older I get all the old movie references too yeah. so it's very valuable it's now. very rewarding and I, I, I'm also here to plug uh, and this is not to no one's benefit but yours because mm-hmm. uh, this is a weird little experiment the Laser Time TV project we don't use it that often it usually just plays a bunch of our stuff occasionally some weird episodes but we're going to program every night from Wednesday this episode airs to Friday, 7 to 10 o'clock, will be all critic episodes. And Saturday and Sunday will be uh, all critic marathon. Awesome. And in between all those will be movie trailers that the critic is referencing. So ah, it's beautiful. you yeah. have no excuse not to get uh, to get in the know and to understand every reference. Yeah, mm. if you don't remember this episode or you don't recall it easily mm. and you don't have the DVDs, which the DVDs are a pretty good package, <laughs> but every episode... Of the show is on YouTube as well. Or it pretty is. much every episode. Really easy to find. I think it is every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and you can watch it on the latest. You can watch TV it there, yes. like it, but you can uh, do it on your browser. So you can watch it on television. It'll autoplay, and you don't no commercials. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Yeah, and yeah. if you want us to do more of these, let us know, and we might have more surprises for you uh, later in this season of Talking Simpsons. So stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to Talking Critic, our special one-off critic episode of Talking Simpsons. I am your host, uh, Bob King Dorkenheimer Mackey. <laughs> Sorry, that's King Dorkenheiser. I got that almost wrong. Who else is here with me today? I'm Henry Gilbert, and I envy you for not having me, Tandy. <laughs> Who else? I'm Michael Raparas, host of Vigil Game Apocalypse, and I had to defeat Chris in single combat for the, the right to be on this episode. <laughs> so if I'm not as entertaining as him, you can blame my skills with a sword. We should call an ambulance. And who else is here? And I'm Diana Goodman, and my shrink was right. God does hate me. (laughs) (laughs) And today's episode is all about The Pilots, which aired on January 26, 1994. And Henry will tell us what movies were out at this point in real life history. Buy my book! (laughs) Buy my book! Buy my book! 
By my butt! Oh my glory, Bob! Hey, the, in theaters this week, January was still a dumping ground for films in 1994, and the first movies were Blink, a... Time Sweeper, right? <laughs> no, it was, it was a Michael Apted-directed uh, thriller about a woman who gains her eyesight again and is being stalked. And the other film was the unasked-for remake of Car 54, Where Are oh, You? No. Wait, who starred in that? Buster Poindexter. Ooh. Ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> so those were the films that premiered this week. I feel like Buster Poindexter uh, headlining a movie feels like a mistake to me. Somebody caught yeah. it to, oh, wait, wait, he's he's star? Oh, yes. oh God, we can't we can't undo this. <laughs> we got to put this out. Well, I mean, wait. after Hot, 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 he could mm-hmm. just, he could be in anything. I he could, he could write his later. own ticket. Years <laughs> later. And I don't know, I think this movie was filmed in 1990 and then released oh in 1994. God. It was like, it was like uh, something that was mandatory in terms of a contract. They yeah. had to release it, so. It was it was such a bad movie that like I never liked Car Fifty Four Where Are You as a kid either. I'd watch I'd watch Nick and Night all the time, and when it would come out, I was like, "This is Honeymooners, but in a cop car." Well, I mean, once the the great theme song is over, it's all downhill, right? Car Fifty Four Where Are You? There's so many problems happening, but Chris, so Chris Jeff's at Idlewild. Yes, out loud. that <laughs> reference will never get old. But, but it had Tootie and the dad from Monsters. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Al Jean and Mike Reese, they were from The Simpsons from the very beginning, season one writers. They ran seasons three and four, and they left The Simpsons towards the end of season four to create The Critic with James L. Brooks. And Rich Moore is the supervising director. And Ooh. also, David Silverman has a stamp on this in which... Oh, yes. So the uh, design for Jay Sherman, the first design, is something that basically uh, David Silverman drew on a cocktail napkin. So <laughs> this is all just like basic Simpsons DNA coming together. And this show is very Simpsons-y in mm. many, many ways. There's an amazing Uproxx oral history. Well, sort of. It's just short of an oral history, but it is an interview about how the show came together and if it could ever come back. And the critic began first as Matt Groening coming to Al Reese saying, like, I want to do a Krusty show. That's oh, Krusty's right. spinoff yeah. show that is about behind the scenes on Krusty. And that Krusty is a divorced dad and he has a makeup lady. And Was then, it going to be Dan Castellaneta playing Krusty in live action? So then okay. Matt Groening being the, you know, mercurial person <laughs> he is, he says... <laughs> You know what? No, I don't want to make that anymore. What I want to make is a live-action Krusty show where Dan plays Krusty. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. And so he pulled back his support from doing a Krusty spinoff with them. Then they decide, we want to do a live-action show about behind the set of a Good Morning America-type show that James L. Brooks wanted to make. They were really interested in the idea of a film critic on that show, the Gene Shell type. And you need to know that at this time... Film critics on TV were a big deal. Like, they were major people who could sway opinions on stuff. This is a pre-Metacritic world, a pre-Rotten Tomatoes world, a pre-Comments world, a pre-democratizing of film reviews when anybody could review a film. Yeah, I mean, Siskel and Niebuhr were recognizable just by their very mm. their yeah. features. Gene yeah. Shalit, Rex Reed, like, all of them. And so they wanted to do a show where that would then focus a live-action show, which would focus on the film critic that would be on that morning show. And they wrote it for John Lovitz because they loved him in a league of their own. And also he was a regular voice on The Simpsons. He was in multiple episodes in season two and three. They write the script for him and then they offer it up to him. And that's not how you do it in Hollywood. You get agreements that they you will write a script for someone because they know he's got them over a barrel of like, oh, you can't make your expensive show without me. Well, I say no, but it's because John Lovitz was like, 
I'm going to be a movie star now. I can't be uh, on a live action TV. I mean, he show. just he just made Mom and Dad save the world. Exactly, <laughs> he was only that. going up. <laughs> and so, but he would agree to do an animated show, which then they realized was better anyway because then they could do animated versions of film parodies, which would be way cheaper than trying to make them in live action. And so that's how the show was made, and it was sold to ABC in 1993. Algina Mike Reese leave The Simpsons as as they're working on the critic pilot. They leave The Simpsons, but it's still produced by Gracie Films, the same production company. That's right. Though and not, film, film Roman? Film Roman, the rough well, Rough Draft is involved in this episode. Okay. But yes, but same Film Roman too. So it's a lot of shared people, like you said. They got Rich Moore as a producer and supervising director. A great director. And this episode, I mean, this episode looks great, but so the genesis of this sort of came from Bart the Daredevil in a way. And um, they mentioned on the commentary when there's a clip of those uh, motorbike riders slam dunking basketballs, <laughs> Al Jean and Mike Reese are like, we can make good looking animation. And I, <laughs> this is where the critic sort of came from in a way, the genesis where the, the critic looks really good. It's animated yeah. well. For the most part, uh, with mm-hmm. way more flourishes than you would ever see on The Simpsons. I was a big movie fan, so I was, of course, going to watch. Well, I was going to watch anything that if I ran a TV guide, Simpsons people worked on it. I was going to watch it. Not to mention, I watched just about any primetime animated show I could see. But there have been so many Simpsons pretenders, but they weren't made by Simpsons people. Like so, but the critic was. I, I was the same way. I was so pumped for this <laughs> because it's like. Here, Diana, this is for you. Even, you know, hmm. when was, would you say, 94? So I was like probably a junior, senior in high school. And, January but I was 26. Still, this was I, after you'd seen Gene Shalit for the first time and said, yes, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> I'm still working on that mustache. It's not, it's, it's just not quite, I can't get the length. The length. Um, I believe it's later on when this moves to Fox and they pair it with The Simpsons mm. that my Sundays were all film all the time. It was the best thing ever. There was a PBS series on the history of film, which you could actually get college credit for as an introduction to film history show. This I think oh, wow. ran from like 6.30 to 7.30 or 6 to 7. Then I watched Siskel and Ebert, 7, yeah, 7, 7.30. Then Critic, Simpsons. My life is so wonderful. <laughs> That's uh, how explaining why I am the giant film nerd that I am. I oh, mean, it was good times. I had a somewhat similar uh, background. I, I watched Siskel and Ebert from 1992 until probably like uh, until Gene Siskel died. So yeah. Roger Ebert turned me on to anime. He was like, "Go that see my, son of a wow. go bitch. see my neighbor Totoro. It's really good." And I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is really good." Thanks, Roger Ebert, because Angry they of the Fireflies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, their video pick of the week. But yeah, I was steeped in the world of film criticism because I was a young that, idiot. That interesting. <laughs> I thought he was smarter than everyone. That interest in anime also led to his one video game review that he did for, I think, Wired. Oh, wow. On the cosmology Jesus. of Kyoto. Oh, my God. Which is like a super obscure, like, hypercard style game for Mac that I, came out in the early 90s. Jeez, I must have missed this. So, yeah, I was steeped in this world. Uh, yeah, and Siskel just, and Ebert was just such a tradition, just every Sunday. And when this appeared on Fox a year later, there I mean, I wasn't reading Variety. I wasn't reading the, the rags or whatever. So <laughs> it was just like, oh, the critic is back, and it's next to The Simpsons, and it's all new episodes. And it was just like, is my, could my... My life get better it didn't yep. but uh at that moment <laughs> yeah at that moment i was like this is the best thing ever you know i, I was just a middle class white dirt bag and uh <laughs> hey i like simpsons hey this critic show is pretty good uh it looks pretty good and, and yeah it's, it's just fantastic jokes and like we we rewatched this episode that we're going to talk about and it, am- so. it amazed me 
that like I expected this to be really stale mm-hmm. and it holds up so beautifully. Like the the jokes are still really sharp. The writing is amazing. And I, I remember thinking at the time like I hate most of what's on network TV, but the critics really good. Like <laughs> yeah. I'll watch that whenever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really good pilot, though. It was also interesting to watch it now as an adult who did become a Jay Sherman type <laughs> in my life. Not, and I don't just mean like a fat monster. I, oh I mean, my god! No, I, what, I, what I mean is we all did become critics. Uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We are critics, and we are writers, and we are people who wear free things. Yes. Not for people. That really spoke to me. I know. More so than ever. It stinks is something I've never said about a free t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as a 34-year-old currently, hearing that Jay is 36, I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Well, he's a mess for 36. He is. Yeah. But as a 38-year-old, it really hurts. It's yeah. like, I thought he was somewhere in his late 40s. Yes. Come on. Based on the way he looks, he should be. But, I mean, do we want to hit the, uh, the opening? which is beautiful opens with a shot of the twin towers that will never be dated yes. or make you remember horrors <laughs> in any way i know it's it's an amazing gina reese talked about how they wanted to make it as different from the simpsons in so many ways but structurally the opening is very simple it really is they have like two versions of couch gags in the, this their chalkboard joke is the phone call yeah and their mm. couch gag is the movie parody and so right. and in this one it is a mean phone call from his mom like the first joke uh, the, the first phone call joke is so mean and then you get the opening which is i did not capture the sound of the opening you probably heard it when you listened to this episode right. just the it is a very intentional music style choice right? yeah i mean it is directly uh, sort of a sound alike to george gershwin's uh, rhapsody in blue as soon as you hear this you'll be like oh it's a critic opening right mm-hmm. but it's not mm-hmm. It's such a perfect... Uh, uh, I'm ready for my United flight to take off. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, but, United Airlines. I got, I got a lot of material ready for that. But that makes... It's a dual reference, because it's not just... It sounds like Rhapsody in Blue. It, uh, I know you're going to say But it sounds like Rhapsody in Blue because of the opening to Manhattan. That's right, in the Manhattan. The Allen film. I, that, that movie is forever tainted because it's about Woody Allen right, dating yeah. a high schooler, which yeah, is like, yeah. you can't go back to that yeah. anymore. Except for that, it's a wonderful movie. Oh, yeah. Beautiful but, cinematography about a pedophile. But, uh, yeah, but it, but it opens with this montage. Me, it's called an ephebophile. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, the internet pedant strikes again. <laughs> no, but it, it opens with this beautiful black and white montage of, of uh, him doing a voiceover as he's writing something about New York City, and it's just hits with you know it's edited to the music really well and just like new york was his city and it always will be guggenheim met stadium <laughs> and that shot yeah. of the bridge is very is borrowed in the critic opening right Except yeah the bridge collapses that could be a season two thing uh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's, that's he's on a date two. yeah that same scene yeah, yeah. with alice and well, the yeah. well, well let's yeah. let's save that season two talk for yes. another day but and the, also mentioned that the music is hans zimmer before oh. Hans Zimmer did every movie of all time. Before he was a big deal, although he was a he was a regular sized deal. He was in a regular sized deal. I'm sure he was. He probably had finished the music for Lion King at this point. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. um, did he do the incidental music for the series or just the opening, like Danny Elfman? I think, I think it was just an the Elfman. Opening. So Style was this, this Elf Clausen then, maybe, right? Or? Uh, I bet I bet I do believe Clausen worked on it too. I did see that Richard Sakai was a consulting producer on this deal. You'll, you'll see a number of Simpsons producer names in there. It's also interesting that a lot of the character designs in it feel very based on Hirschfeld too. Mm. Uh, the, mm. That of that style, especially David Silverman did the original design of the critic. Yeah, he and, loves her 
Hirschfeld. He in fact, Hirschfeld. he got a Hirschfeld of himself before Hirschfeld wow. died. Yeah, a, yes. a commission. It wasn't yeah. like yeah, it wasn't just like he, he just got it in the mail or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Alf Clausen did score the critic, not the opening song, but the mm-hmm. the music you hear throughout. So you have this combination. It's super New York. That's one. That's already a major difference. It is from The Simpsons. Of The Simpsons is in any town USA, Springfield. Who can, wherever that is, this is New York City in the early nineties. Yes, specifically right. where it is, the World Trade Center, all that stuff, and it's their Rhapsody in Blue thing is also interesting to me because in Fantasia two thousand, the right. best right. segment in it is right. the Rhapsody in Blue one, animated and in the style of Hirschfeld. It's done in the yeah mm-hmm. the Hirschfeld style. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's it's beautiful. Look it up if you've never seen it. Well, it's it's the best section of it. Listen in the commentary on the first episode. They talk about how like the the premise was like the exact opposite of Simpsons. Like it's mm. it's in a big city. It's in New York. He's educated, and like they expected that to be a hit in New York, and it wasn't. Like it was <laughs> it was sort of a hit out in the Midwest, mm. uh, like in small towns. But uh, New Yorkers hated it. I was watching it in my shitty town in Ohio. But you're right, Michael. I think the one distinction between this and almost every other animated show is that Jay Sherman is smart. Yes. I mean, he's occasionally mm-hmm. distracted by his vices. That's when he becomes stupid, when he's hungry or horny or whatever. But he is, <laughs> I mean, he's, he's the smartest character in the show, usually. As the series goes on, he gets flanderized to be a yeah. stupid giant pig. But in the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, though also the show from the first episode is so mean. And the series is about getting less mean as yes. the show goes on. I mean, the biggest jump is from is at the start of season two. But even by the end of season one, you're like... This is a little mean. Can we have a happier ending here? But and this one is just like cruel to Jay from the beginning. Just in yeah, the idea that they're like, oh, we'll promote this by putting it with home improvement. Yeah. Like the ultimate family sitcom. Oh, yes. Well, they also talked about, about this how. Sour, single motherfucker hates everybody. It's a cartoon. The kids will love it. And I think at the end of one episode where something incredibly messed up happens, Jay's like, and stay tuned for home improvement coming up next. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they talk about how specifically this episode was disliked by the executives for its content. Scandal. Yeah. Uh, but this also, just to connect it one more time to The Simpsons, that this show really let Gene and Reese give into their darker feelings about The Simpsons, that they did on The Simpsons, and also their love of, like, let's just have Homer watch a cartoon, or let's yeah. have him watch a movie, and then we can just do a movie joke. I mean, they became noted for have opening with parodies on their on their, on their yeah. episodes, I think. And this yeah. this episode has a lot of, like, mini-parodies snuck in. The the episode that begin with, like, someone watching McBain, and they're like, okay, now it can start. That is patterned very similar to how a critic episode will work. Though it's so weird yeah. that, like, they already get all the movie references they want from his job, but then he'll just still walk by movies all the time. Of <laughs> he like, lives wait. in a movie reference. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I contend that Family Guy rips off the critic mm. more than The Simpsons. Yeah, well, the, right. the non sequitur cutaways started yes. here. Even more. Well, I mean, Simpsons started it. Critic indulged even more so. Perfected it in a way I think that Family Guy would later do. But let's. Sorry, I want to hear the first joke of the show just that sets the tone <laughs> for everything. Oh. What's wrong? I'm 36 years old. I'm lonely. My hair comes out of a spray can. You know, I had to go on camera without this stuff. Let the world see me as I really am. It's empty. Oh, 
I'm bald and ugly. Get more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I discovered the origins of Perry McCann. I had seen this infomercial and this commercial at the yeah. time, but I looked it up, and it is. Uh, it looks magical, but I imagine it sucks and doesn't work well. And your your fake hair is constantly flaking off on well, your shoulders it, all day. It seems to do nothing. Like I, I For remember, Jay, it does the, nothing. It does yeah. not yeah. change his character at, design at, at, at all. At the time, I was thinking like, so is it that he's going gray and that's to keep it black because he still looks. Completely bald. He has a very Homer Simpson like three hair kind of thing yeah, coming yeah, out yeah. the back of his head. But this is basically for if your hair is thinning, it fills in the color a bit to disguise your baldness. Mm. But uh, Henry can play this, and we'll we'll hear all about Ronco. It's Ronco. GLH means great looking hair. <laughs> Just spray GLH on, and it instantly covers your bald spot, leaving you with great looking hair. Mm. And ladies with thinning hair or bald spots. GLH solves the problem instantly. It's so convincing, GLH everybody listening at home. Oh, my God. That's just pain. It's pains. an amazing no. powder that clings to the tiniest hairs on your head. <laughs> it actually builds on itself, <laughs> leaving you with great, great It really just looks hair. like they're and the spray GLH painting a guy's head. It's pretty much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's incredible. This is the first time I've ever used this product. I saw it on the uh, infomercials, <laughs> and I was skeptical at first. I think it is 40 but, bucks uh, for a can of that, too. After I looked into the Consumer Reports article on <laughs> it, and... Uh, weighed my options by shopping around. Which Karen can is right for me. <laughs> I, I like to think that Jay started using that when he was beginning to go bald yeah. and he just couldn't give it up. You can't yeah. just spray that on a scalp. We should also mention that uh, Doris Grau, yes. one of the best voices, I think she yes. died in like 1995. Yeah. Not, not long after. So all the jokes about cancer in, in The Critic are kind of painful now. They, they talk about oh, yes. how the, they, <laughs> asked, they asked her to do jokes of like cough more in this joke. And it's like she's dying yeah she's an old woman who who coughs all the time and sounds that way because she did smoke all the time just like I, doris the character did. i just love how she was a million incidental voices on the simpsons like watch how fast i go like <laughs> things like that and she, most famously lunch lady doris but yeah perfectly lunch lady doris but here she is like the perfect sour character with a little bit of heart to her she's world weary but she's been around and you know where it's coming from but i miss doris grau's voice so much she's been yeah. dead for like tw- over 20 years i i don't have a death jingle on this because I just would be playing like, like four times on this episode. you at every turn. Yes. <laughs> right. So she was what, like a script supervisor yeah. or something? She was, she was for just Gracie a person Films. who just incidentally had an awesome voice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, she would just be there at script readings and she would give Algie and Mike Reese feedback like, oh, that's so sweet. Leave that in. And they just <laughs> would so love. I mean, wouldn't you fall in love with that voice if you heard it? I would uh, want her supposed to be a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I would cast her in everything after yeah. that. I'd be like, oh, we got to have your voice. Then we get our first film parody in the series. Tonight, I'll be reviewing Home Alone 5. <gasps> we left Kevin home alone, and he's only 23! <laughs> so I mean watching the stubble and the cigarette falls out of his mouth I love the cigarette and, and the great caricatures but this it, like it struck me upon uh, having you know researched the Simpsons and knowing what goes into making that show the amount of work that goes into making a critic episode you need new character designs for every parody mm-hmm. not just True. one drawing like what does this character look like from the side in the front in the back like mm-hmm. how do they move like we need we need character designs for every caricature for like <laughs> Every 10 seconds of footage. Pretty much, Every yeah. time they have a new one. Now, there was a fifth Home Alone film. Yeah. They, so they got up mm. number-wise to four, and then the actual fifth Home Alone film was a bullshit ABC Family reboot called Holiday Heist <sighs> that was completely unrelated to any McAllister. No McAllister so, family. I, I not even French say, Stewart would touch this. Sorry. No. <laughs> oh, God. I, th- I think Macaulay Culkin actually looks better than his, like, aged-up caricature he, in that bit. 
he partied a bit. He needs to put on a little weight. Uh, He's looking kind of gaunt. Maybe put down the needles, perhaps. Fellow child actor Seth Green says that Macaulay Culkin's one of the best-adjusted people he knows. (laughs) I feel like he has a vested interest in saying that things are fine for Macaulay Culkin. But I think he was only 14 when this episode aired, so... Uh, No way! He was, uh, like, even 12 at best. Like, he was still pretty young when the first Home, uh, Home Alone came out. And then the second film parody comes straight after that, and it is... Honestly, a bunch of cheap Arnold jokes. I don't know. And yet I, timeless. Yeah. Because I love you people, I won't force you to watch the musical number. Well, maybe just a little. Uh, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I made you out of clay. Feh. I just love that. Feh. Rabbi P.I. <laughs> so, I mean, they got some great ringers in, in terms of doing their char- uh, their voice uh, characterizations. Um, yeah. There's uh, Maurice LaMarche, just a great voice actor guy, and Nick Jameson, who you don't hear his name as much, but he does a lot of stuff. He was he was actually Max in the Sam and Max video game. He was the original oh. Max. So, like, they do most of the heavy hitting in terms of the uh, impressions, but they also play with people like Jeremy Hawk and Vlada and things like that. So they got some great voice guys. When they need... Any actor, when they need any famous person, they're like, well, I guess we can get uh, uh, Maurice. He can just do that. Maurice can do that character. Maurice can Maurice can do any voice if we need it. But it ended up going the other way around. Of, there's like, well, Maurice is good at Orson Welles. Well, then let's write an Orson Welles. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we should say Maurice LaMarche best known for being the brain and Pinky the brain, and the Brain, yeah. but also yeah. being a million other characters. Yes. And also, I think he started in voice acting by playing Egon on the real Ghostbusters. Him doing a, a pretty That's good Harold true. Ramis. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we get our first meeting of the Shermometer, and then we get to meet Duke Phillips. Yes. Another dead voice uh, already. Charles uh, Napier. Again, I, I mean, I feel like they're borrowing from their past work. This is sort of their Mr. Burns, an all-powerful, enigmatic uh, weirdo. Except he's Ted Turner. He's Ted, Turner. He's Ted Turner, yeah. Not Barry Diller. Yeah. But it's, it's amazing. I love Charles Napier's voice so much. He was so great on Squidbillies, first season. Yes. Yep. Why the hell do you have to be so critical. I'm a critic. No, your job is to rate movies on a scale from good to excellent. What if I don't like them? That's what good's for. <laughs> Mr. Phillips, we go on in five seconds. I own this network, boy. Just put up that picture of me on a horse. <sighs> I gotta say, that feels painfully familiar. <laughs> yes, as, as game reviewers, we've all heard that. Yeah. Perhaps. Your, your perhaps. job is to score games on a scale of 7 to 10. Yeah. That's what 7 is for. That's what seven if it's is 9 for. or below, that means you think it's garbage, <laughs> and we have the right to dox you and find out like find out where you live. I mean, I have like a billion Duke Phillips lines in my head. They don't just watch it. They send it money. Oh, <laughs> you didn't seem to like the sound of my voice. Char- Charles Napier, uh, and I ironically is one of my favorite actors of all time he's in beyond the valley of the dolls of all things he's in a lot of russ meyer movies like yeah. uh, faster yeah, pussycat yeah, yeah. is he in that one i or don't in... remember if he's in faster he was, pussycat he was but yeah, usually he was... in there to be the like conservative dude or the Straight cop who yeah. beats dude. people he's yes. also like one of the heavies in rambo first blood part yeah. two yeah he's, he's in sounds on the lambs i think he's the guy who gets he, his face he stolen gets his he face does. ripped oh, off yeah. 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 he's the head of the good old boys and the blues brothers that's right uh he's 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 an amazing actor who i think it shows you like if he's in all these things and he's not the characters he play in real life he's not the guy he plays so well yeah but nah. he's so great and it, but it is a ted turner character that's who yeah. it is i just i really wish that he had gotten to write an autobiography because like the longest i've seen read a couple of long interviews with him i think the av club did a really good one. Oh yeah random role he just right? randomly runs into people is like so you auditioned for hitchcock and he's like well, yeah, uh, I was sleep. I was kind of homeless, so I was living at this car lot. Wow! 
and uh, Hunter S. Thompson and me were hanging out, and then like, what a life! What? Yeah, then we then we went to uh, we went to Mardi Gras, and I'm like, Mardi Gras with those two? Oh my God! Oh my Where God. is my time oh, machine? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the critic had such great Southern voices. We have uh, Charles Napier, and then the next season, Park Overall, which has, has yeah. it's the greatest Southern voice in the world. We're the bears who sing. But uh, Ted Turner, drunken bears. <laughs> in case you didn't know, Ted Turner has not been in power of. He hasn't been a media mogul in over fifteen years. Like, no, ever since he got bought out by AOL in the Time Warner merger. Post critic, right? Post critic, yeah, yeah, in the late nineties. But he was the, the show destroyed him. He was so Ted Turner was so ahead of his time. Like he was an Atlanta-based media mogul. Was like cable is where it's at, and I should own content. People are always renting these MGM films. Screw that. I'm buying the whole library. Yep. People, oh, I have to bargain with Major League Baseball for for games? No, I own the Atlanta Braves, and uh-huh. they're going to be on my channel. Another Simpsons joke. And, and also, <laughs> Atlanta Braves baseball. Exactly. <laughs> he, he invested, he bought a pro wrestling company so he could get the pro wrestling stuff on his channel. He bought the entire Hanna-Barbera library so he could have that on his channel. He knew that content was king so they could be on all his channels, starting with the Superstation WTBS, oh, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia, yeah. followed <laughs> by CNN. Then TNT, TNT, right? Yeah, but then into Cartoon Network, yeah. TCM, um, a oh, channel that classic movies. I That's still like, the only movie channel yeah. that still plays movies. Yeah, and, I, and I, he, colorization like, would yes. be a plot point on the show. He too. caught so yeah. much flack for that, but it was really just like, look, people aren't watching these old movies because they're in black and white, and that's stupid. Mm. If 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 it takes colorization to get people to watch it, I will do that, yeah. and nobody liked it. I I kind of wonder if they get some sort of charitable write off for TCM because. It's a, a channel that only runs old movies and has no ads whatsoever. It's, it's just true. it's just a public service. It's beautiful. It's well, I mean, other than running the channel, like they don't, they're not paying for new programming, really. I it's mean, just... Ben Mankiewicz pays, it gets paid in sandwiches. I think <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll pay for your cab right here. That's yeah. it, buddy. I do that for free. Uh, oh, I'm yeah, Jeez. Yeah, uh, but Turner after he also famously married Jane Fonda, which did uh, not work out. They're no longer together. Oh, and they're mm-hmm. so happy together. <laughs> if you want to find a picture of Ted Turner riding a horse, like Duke Phillips talks about. Google that and you will find about eight dozen photos, different photos of him riding horses. I believe he became a rancher. Like after he sold out, he's like, I'm just going to yeah, ranch buffalo. He bought like, like a jo- He bought like half of Montana. Yes. And, <laughs> it's and, easy to do if you're a millionaire. That's what he's up to yeah. these a billionaire. Days. Look, this isn't art. It's just mindless pablum for losers who can barely read. Huh. Oh, that reminds me. I've got an interview with People Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Phillips, you're fabulously wealthy. You're a world-class athlete. You were great in bed last night. How does that feel? I have no one to envy. <laughs> I envy you having me to envy. <laughs> the critic will be right back, you TV addicted couch monkeys. Thank you guys so much for listening, and if you like listening to stuff, it's a good thing this episode is brought to you by Audible. And before I tell you more about it, know that you can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get started with a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of all Audible is. What is Audible? They've got over 180,000 different titles to choose from, ranging from audiobooks, comedy albums, radio shows, some of my favorite old-timey radio shows, and you can listen to them all on your iPhone, Android, MP3 player, desktop, tablet, doesn't matter, wherever you can plug in headphones. 
headphones. Audible's got all your, your bestsellers, your Game of Thrones, your Harry Potters, the latest biography from whatever comedian is you like, and they have become my go-to place to get audiobooks for an incredibly low cost. So once again, that's Audible, people, and you can go to audibletrial.com slash lasertime and get a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial of the service. Watch my new show, The Critic, from the producers of The Simpsons. Only this time, they're sober. Ugh. The Critic, coming soon. You like Laser Time shows? Then you might like Bonus Time, Laser Time's weekly bonus show exclusively on Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Here's a taste of what you've been missing. This weekend, uh, on Friday, I went, my girlfriend had... A Groupon for archery. I really thought that was a lame excuse to get out of doing work. No, I literally had, and it was like this is the last day we she do it, and it was like it's always weird to go to like, uh, like this is like an archery like kind of superstore. So like, yeah. one half of it is like doing archery. Yeah, I told you that shit with like Dolly Parton. Like, I'm stepping into a fan base that yeah. I know nothing about that's yeah. existed all around me for years. Yeah, there's like and, four guys at the counter, like two guys, <laughs> two guys working the counter, hey, two you guys get a compound bow. Yeah, or a... two guys, two regulars who are like they're wearing their their. <laughs> Archery jackets, and they got their like their pro level bows. Arch Deluxe Antonio. There's so many different bows in the background. There's like posters, like oh look, the 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 top bowman of 1997. Look at him. He signed the poster. Isn't that cool? It's like this is a world I know nothing about. Every time I see something like that, now all I think of like oh, there's still jobs out there. Yeah. I could be the guy who mats the poster for the archery. Especially since, like, oh, a, a bow is will cost you seven hundred dollars. But yeah, that was that was super fun. Get bonus time, Laser Time's weekly full length, uncensored, and ad free Patreon exclusive podcasts, as well as full length movie commentaries, wrestling and cartoon video commentaries, the first season of Talking Simpson, and more at Patreon.com/slash Laser Time, starting at just five bucks. You'll help us live, and we'll do our best to help you never be bored again. This episode has to do so much, and part of that is introducing every single major character, and they yeah. kind of just have to... They, they find novel ways to have them explain themselves to other people for setup purposes. They do a really great job, I think, especially with Duke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they introduce so many... I, I didn't even realize that this was the pilot. Because, oh, yeah. because they just... I mean, they, all the characters just sort of naturally seem to pop up. Yeah, I don't think Jay's any different here than he is in season two, aside from his looks. Mm. Or anyone else, really. Well, I mean, his head gets flatter just as this season goes on. Yeah. They really were not into how flat David Silverman made his head. They they prefer the redesign. Definitely. It's such a fun design. I just love his weird, like, springy ha- head <laughs> hairs. and mm-hmm. just uh, he's, he's like a weird, like, squished-down Homer, almost. Yeah. 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 But it's something about the, the way that they animate just the seriousness of Duke looking off in the distance, <laughs> thinking about... About how he has no one to envy. Yes, so it's like that's just a throwaway. I mean, it's it's not a visual joke. It's entirely a, an auditory joke, and they still somehow make it a visual joke. Yeah, too. the visuals really pop on this show more than The Simpsons, I think, in yeah. general. And it's also interesting on a pilot that they introduce a new character, a guest character, but in a pilot, she's been in as much of the show as any other character. So I think part of the trick of this episode is you're supposed to think. Oh, is she a regular too? Is she going to be his girlfriend the rest of the series? Mm. But when we first meet her, I I also like the recurring joke that no one watches Jay except people who mock him. (laughs) I'm your biggest fan. Oh, I have no fans. 
Most of my viewers are drunken frat boys who like to make fun of me. Hey, look, he's picking his nose. <laughs> it's really simple. I find smart men very sexy, and you are the most intelligent man on television. Gah. <laughs> so that's Valerie Fox, who is sort of the Sharon Stone-ish uh, character of this. I mean, she yeah. even does the leg uncrossing thing yeah. in this yeah. in this segment. Yeah. Oh, we get a shot of that. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you it's the early '90s with the Sharon Stone. And, oh yeah. yeah, no one had ever seen a vagina before. No nope. blue arm eyes. I invented the vagina. <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize that the voice is uh, Jennifer Lean. Yes. Again, who I'd never. I did, uh, question mark, and it's oh, I, uh, Cass I, from Star Trek Voyager. That is what she is most yeah, famous for, but she also was in SLC Punk as oh. Sandy, and she is uh, Davina in American History X. So she played oh. she played some uh, punky slash uh, angry characters yeah. in the in the nineties, and, and she's extremely young in this. I think she's like twenty playing yes. this character. Oh. Yeah, but she she does that like classic smoky voice, yes. so like well. Kathleen Turner. It's yeah. very good. So knowing how this episode ends. I I wanted to ask everybody here, do you think that Valerie Fox from the beginning is interested in Jay or if it all was just a ruse to get a good review and then she was going to leave him? That's kind of the eternal question that I I have after seeing this show that I I kind of think it might have been genuine because she doesn't get at all annoyed or uh, worried when he's like oh I can't go to your premiere although she may have mm. masterminded the delivery of the videotape yeah. at the end mm. um, you see I kind of think that she actually does care for him because she doesn't have to go that far that's to true. get a good review I mean just based on his reaction and just she has him wrapped around her little finger immediately like you don't have to yeah. sleep with him and meet his parents you can just, just yeah. throw him a bone just like mm-hmm. oh I really I mean, care about I, you I think that's the... it I think the if intent. You want a bribe? Come on. <laughs> I think the intent is yes, she really does like him, but I feel like it's not handled very well. And I feel I get some flashbacks to Lurleen Lumpkin. I mean, mm. Algie and Mike Reese ran that season, and I feel like she wasn't really explored that much. It was more like, oh, she likes Homer, and that's that's the main focus. But there's never a why. If they could have just had a line at the end where she says, "You were too mean to me," or "I thought we, I thought we were cool with this," or just something that explained yeah. it. It could also be like it's trying to make the point he can't keep a relationship. Because on top of all his other obvious flaws, he's kind of an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. yeah. I, but he's so nice. Well, this is getting yeah, to the I mean, episode. Yeah. But he's I, very yeah. about I it. I was curious about it. So then we get some new, more regulars. They go to Leon Richet. Or Le- the, Lane Rich. Lane Rich, the, which means the wealthy ass. The wealthy ass. Uh-huh. And we get to meet another regular. Oh, Mr. Sherman. I have size for you. The <laughs> very best devil in the house. Just perfect for the schmuzzing. <gasps> Conan O'Brien! Oh, great. They sat us in the critics section. Pelican <laughs> brief, more like turkey too long. <laughs> Even Satan himself would love this angel hair pasta. It's a goodbye. And so, goodbye from Mr. Good Guy. Gene Shalit. That's really him? Yes. So, uh, two things. Vlada is Gabor, right? He is. I am certain he is Gabor Chupo. Gabor Chupo Chupo of Klasky Chupo fame, who Dr. Nick is kind of based on in its own way. As is a character on Hey Arnold, who is a a deadbeat jerk in in Hey Arnold. The the guy's like, oh, what? I I just need to borrow the money. Oh, no. Gabor really gets around. it, It makes you feel like 
in the animation industry, Gabor is very well known and, and not particularly loved. No, no. <laughs> we, so on the, in the first, in what was supposed to be the first episode of The Simpsons, they joke about him delivering a thing they didn't like and him saying, maybe script is shit. Yeah. <laughs> and the famous Gabor delivery. But thing number two, if you look at the credits of this and early Simpsons, guess who's a character designer? Mm-hmm. Everett Peck, creator of Duckman. Whoa. This is a Duckman ass looking character. You know, yes. his head can never yes. turn. It's just yeah. stuck in like one expression. But Blood I feel like rather extreme. he could be on Duckman, this character. He could yep. be. Yes. 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 In he's two always months. like in semi profile to the camera, no yeah. matter which yeah. direction yeah. he's looking. He's like and always tilted upward so yeah, i feel like everett peck did draw him weird features that are just not like you try to imagine what he looks like face on and it's like it's impossible he's yeah. very he's cubist looking and, yeah. and his, his son who we meet later in the series has the same head exactly <laughs> it's a very strange head but yeah everett peck uh character designer on the critic so there I, you go. I have uh, a, i like your theory i think but i definitely feel like that is them mocking gabble yeah. but in my life Duckman unites everything so i, have, I must bring it back <laughs> but the vlada i mean vlada is a jerk who constantly takes advantage of of jay and just likes I like your money. You'll come here and it just lets them do every mean joke. Oh, yeah. I just thought thing three. The joke is no one cares who Conan O'Brien is, yeah. especially when yep. this was being written. The fact that Jay will get bumped for Conan is the joke. Yes. <laughs> well, and it is Conan's friends slash former bosses making fun of Conan. Yeah. Who has uh, probably assumed the show would be canceled by now. Oh, yeah. They were all certain the show would be canceled. There's Conan jokes when in the episode where Jay goes to L.A. in the first season. There's tons You're of right. Conan jokes yeah. in there, too. And also, I love that the critic section of a of the, of the a restaurant is just every miserable fucker is just like, Ugh, <laughs> uh, everything sucks. My <laughs> job is to see movies. I hate everything. Yeah, but on except on, for Gene Shalit, he's always been very a good guy and very punny. So uh, we get one of two Donald Trump jokes. God, very relevant. Is, yeah. I yeah. hated this in ninety four. So it really took me out of the episode. You were a model, weren't you? Don't pigeonhole me. Yes, I was a model. Yes, I was a beauty queen. Yes, I dated Donald Trump. Ugh. Mm. I hated that so yeah. much. Just like, I didn't want... There's also, there's a Trump Tower... It's visual, we've got no audio of it, but there's a Trump Tower foreclosure joke in there, too. They're like, kissing in front only, of it, yeah. You're so happy. If only. <laughs> but it's, there's so many jokes in here, just like Donald Trump was... Donald Trump was old news in 1994. Yeah. Like, people lived through... All, 10 years of Don- no uh, more than 10 years of Donald Trump being famous at that point and they were already he was already a joke then just like a national joke for 40 years until he became president you can tell them when they were writing this script like well, you're making fun of the president now and, yeah. and the fact mm. that he dates all these models and everything he's just like ugh yuck this is pre-Melania. Yeah. <laughs> One, and she said dated with quotes Uh-oh. on it. So yeah. if that's uh, sweet. But they seem to have a pretty good time together, the two of them. This door is going to close soon. And whether I'm inside or outside could change our lives forever. Say, what do you do in your movie? I play a woman who seduces chubby men huh. and kills them in their sleep. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing goes anywhere with that, but no. I, I like that line. Though, that's, that's more of an episode yeah. two thing. Mm-hmm. 
Though, you seem to have a psychotic obsession with me. <laughs> though having her there also allows him to explain himself more, like setting up that he's a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. So he's unlike, say, Homer Simpson, Jay Sherman is very good at his job. He yeah, is very he's, well educated. He's not an underachiever. No, not proud of it either. No. He's an overachiever and proud he's, of it. He's no Bart Simpson. We learn about his salary later in this episode, too. Yeah. It's pretty high. Yeah. But that he's also, he is still a food pig. Even in the yeah. first episode, they're like, oh, he, he's like, more, more. He can't. And, of course, there is a Dances with Wolves gag, just to, again, make you yes. know, this is the early 90s, when nobody has thought of Dances with Wolves since then. <laughs> it's, it, I'm glad it'd be Goodfellas, yeah. because uh, it's the more timeless movie. Oh, totally. <laughs> that, but that just showed me how many cutaways they did all the time. It's just like, they did back-to-back cutaways there, and that they already had the excuse of movie cut, movie clips he's going to watch but they still like no 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 jay also has to remember things <laughs> and cut back to them here's another dead actor dad you're out of doritos dad! what are you doing here we were gonna go shopping for husky pants together <laughs> excuse us then you were gonna take me to that ice cream place and tell him it's my birthday again Shh. What? shut up now son you may just have noticed there was a beautiful woman in my bed i won't tell anyone Actually, I wish you would tell everyone, particularly your mother and her personal trainer, Alberto. He says I should call him Uncle Al now. <laughs> so, uh, Christine Cavanaugh. Because he's so great and I love him so much. <laughs> uh, it can't go by without saying Christine Cavanaugh, just a lovely uh, voice actress, and mm-hmm. she's not with us anymore. She died in 2014. She retired mm-hmm. mysteriously in 2000. I think she had some sort of... Uh, you know, debilitating illness or something. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. She was most famously Chucky Finster and yeah. Dexter, on and Dexter's also uh, Goslin on Darkwing yeah. Duck. I feel yeah. like her voice is so distinct. It just, it just, it just says '90s cartoons to me. Her yeah. voice, and she also is Ugg's love interest on Salute Your That's Shorts. That's right, one of her few oh, wow. live action appearances. Yeah, she was a park ranger, I believe, and so she's she's great as Marty. I what I love about the relationship. Oh, of and Marty, she's Babe in the first Babe. She is oh, Babe. Right. Yes. Oh, babe. I I love. Her Marty's relationship with Jay is really nice because Marty loves and respects his dad, and they're more like friends of just like, well, we're both fat guys, and we <laughs> and I listen to you and love you, Dad. Unlike it's... Bart, who's just mean, or Lisa, who loves Homer but is still just like, you're not as smart as me. Yeah, Marty sees none of Jay's flaws. Yeah, yeah. Right. He thinks a fun day out is lying to the ice cream parlor and buying husky pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we never see Jay lecturing him or anything, or like getting mad at him. They're they're on the same level almost. It's really it's really refreshing to see in a show like this. Uh, it really is like Jay has a mini me. He kind of is, yeah. 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 A major difference, too, uh, from The Simpsons is that he's divorced and that this is a very different thing than mm-hmm. of like, oh, the main character is a divorced single father. And mm-hmm. I do feel like some people on the staff there, baby Al Jean, <laughs> have been going through some uh, some marriage issues and mm-hmm. so made a character who is going through a divorce. And there's it's, a, it's an excuse for a lot of alimony payments and yeah. Uncle Alberto's who his, spend your money. Yeah. His ex-wife, Ardith, is not viewed in the kindest light. No. Ardith is pretty bad. Well, and and the fact that like he's divorced and is sleeping with a woman he's yeah. not married to was yeah. a big deal in the early 90s. Like, it's that just a, was. It I, wasn't done, especially it, not on sitcoms. Not on a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. And kids on watch ABC, them. the channel of Home Improvement and TGIF. I like when he's talking to Marty and he's like, actually, I wish you would tell everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell anyone, Dad. It's it's interesting that this episode. I kept waiting for a gay joke at some point in this episode. It's one of the few 
You the, get a like kind of an icky joke uh, well, later in the episode. But they don't have a joke that Jay Sherman is gay. Or yeah. like, it, it's mm. because... Later you would get a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, a bald later. gay man. <laughs> when you hear... <laughs> When you hear Al Jean and Mike Reese on commentaries with John Lovitz, oh my god, which it's... is not on the Sims, uh, not on the critics DVDs, but on the Simpsons DVDs, yeah, <laughs> gay. But they, but they are constantly throwing gay jokes at each other, like you're gay, no, you're gay, no, you're gay. Did you come up with that oh joke my. when you were in bed together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's speak- my bad, Jay, uh, John Lovitz. I'm sorry. Speaking of, I think that's like the one sticking point of this episode that, like, I don't think it was at all intended this way, but it's mm. possible to read it like the the whole romance in a very misogynistic light. Like, number one, like. Oh, she's a beautiful woman who's attracted to the nerdy fat guy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, with what happens at the end, like, oh, maybe she was stringing him along the whole time. Mm-hmm. Women are all whores. It could be handled better. It's unclear. I mean, yeah. I, I see the intent, yeah. and they didn't probably didn't mean that, but I, they didn't, like, really address it the, the right way. The ambiguity opens up bad interpretations, yeah. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But and, and I want to go with the better angels on that. that they'd be like, no, <laughs> yeah. no, we're not saying that all women use men. <laughs> well, I think the bottom line is we find out she's a bad actress that's so true. how yeah, could yes. she pull it off in that's real life exactly yeah yes. true you're right you're right Diana. i mean that could be i think that's a statement about her character though too that valerie fox is great at faking people in one-on-one but acting on camera she's not good at mm. like, yeah. that could be it too or, i'm trying to bring the most just, misogynist reading I yeah, can. Uh-huh. It, it could just be a really good bookend with the jean paul de pope uh <laughs> episode where it's like i guess uh, i must be a pretty good actor, actor then. then yeah uh, so now why we, couldn't they just make fun of jean claude van damme like uh, why do they have to make it jean paul that's pope? weird some kind of lawsuit issue but we mm. meet next uh his uh, jay's best friend jeremy hawk a, a clear paul hogan alike yeah played mm. by uh, maurice lamar is Maurice LaMarche in a regular role and it's fun that he's friends with a, an attractive actor it's mm-hmm. an interesting like best friend to work with I just wish that Crocodile Gandhi for a recurring <laughs> joke in the show is really kind of a cheap parody a, a yeah. little too late too yes <laughs> Mr. Hawk could I have your autograph I just loved you in Crocodile Gandhi you see people did like that picture I'm sorry I just didn't think you made a very convincing Mahatma I will bring peace between the Hindu and the Muslim. But first, a tasteful glimpse of me bottom for the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think that's a Don't pretty... Don't look so smug. I've got my fans, too. Excuse me. Oh. Could I rub your hump for luck? I don't have a hump. <laughs> you hunchbacks are so selfish. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> well... I, I think Maurice Lamar's Australian accent is pretty accurate. We work with an Australian person, and I, and yeah. I don't, I don't. It doesn't really sound off to me. I think he's got it. They were saying in the commentary that like people like Australians assumed he was Australian. As so. a kid, I, I thought it's as high a compliment I think as you can give to an accent. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like as a kid, I assumed they just had Paul Hogan do this voice, just like, oh yeah, the crocodile does the guy. He's in this, he's in the show. Yeah. I love that. There's one thing about him that we we have actually everything about Jeremy established that they're best friends that Jay has slammed his movies before, but they're okay with it, mm. that he makes uh, pretty stupid stuff that's meant to just work on his looks, and that he throws Yiddish around for no reason. Yes. <laughs> a lot of characters do. Like, later, uh, his season two girlfriend, Alice, with the deepest southern accent, says, my daddy always says, be a mensch, not a shemendrick. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone is just naturally Yiddish. Uh, naturally knows Yiddish yeah. expressions in this in Which, this I, I, I like that bit about it, though. It's also funny because... Mike Reese talks about how he is like 
he is ethnically I've, I've heard him in interviews joke that he is ethnically Jewish but not he wasn't a practicing Jew at all like a very secular family but he jokes he said that he he made money in college posing for anti-semitic <laughs> because of how he looks well I mean if you look at Marty Sherman you'll be like oh that's Mike Reese even though he's 60 now and yeah. is older you can immediately see that's Mike Reese it's childhood Mike Reese which I'd love to interview Mike Reese and, but, and that joke the it's another of the so many jokes of just people saying like Jay, you're a hideous monster. <laughs> like, I just, in, I just think you're a hunchback just looking at you. Yeah, well, they, he always like was made out to be much more hideous than he actually was. Mm. I thought, like, oh, when Valerie wakes up to see his face, just yeah. reacting. <laughs> yeah. like, but we, we get the benefit of yeah, that fisheye lens view of like, oh my god. <laughs> Which even if you're in love with him, it looks like it, a moai head. After a one night stand, waking up to that, you would. I feel like even someone who loves him would have a reaction. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't think that's revealing her true feelings. She doesn't react to Jeremy. She's not into Jeremy or his charm. Yeah, I love the line, "Take your genitalia right back to Australia." <laughs> yeah. I remember my mom laughing at that a lot because we, we did watch the critic together. And uh, there is a callback. If you don't understand why Jeremy would say "Don't do blackface," at, at, at an <laughs> oh, very black, recent. No, don't do blackface at the NAACP awards. Yes, yeah. Yeah. very things specific. I've learned from experience. <laughs> that is a reference to Ted Danson at the Friars Club in October yeah. of yep. the 1993. Ted Danson, who at the time was dating Whoopi Goldberg, they were a famous Hollywood couple. That it was Whoopi Goldberg's Friars Club roast, and so. Part of his parody was he appears in blackface and then in like minstrelsy blackface and then does his routine, which look, the Friars Club is about being as inappropriate as possible. Yeah. And but also I watched more of his routine from that. Like the shock of the blackface is one thing, but then the rest of his jokes like mm, this is very funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, these also, photos are still online. I feel like if he did this 20 years later, he could never work again. No, no. never. But, yeah. but, I think he said later that it, the blackface was actually Whoopi Goldberg's idea, although mm-hmm. that might have just been a way of saving face. I could... Uh, no pun Saving blackface. Yeah. My black girlfriend said it was cool, so... Uh. I mean, I could totally see She's Whoopi. the mayor of all black people. Yes. <laughs> I would absolutely believe Whoopi would think that was funny, but I don't want to put words in her mouth. I'd, I'd want to get that directly from her. But so, yeah. so if you're wondering why he's... There's a bunch of... There's many jokes across the entire series of critics that, like... If you weren't alive in 1994, it will make absolutely no sense. Yeah. It is not... The show is so contemporary. It's not timeless in the in the least. The opening... The opening bit movie parody is Alien 3. Alien You're 3, right. the yeah. least loved yeah. Alien. Yeah. Though that's the best scene of it, of the alien basically getting all up in her personal space and and getting right up to her. That Putting is the best shot from head it. In, in well, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. think of like, about what it represents. One about. single iconic shot from that entire trilogy, it's that one. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I mean, I see that memed the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Maurice can't not do a Bullwinkle voice in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they even tried talking like this. Jinx. Sorry. And so then... Oh, every every character is great in this family. I love this. I don't think any of these actors are... No, I think that father is Graham's no. still alive. No, okay, so every yeah. actor's still alive. He played okay. Bud the Chud. I saw your show the other night, son. Doing the weather now, are you? <laughs> no, Dad. That was the shermometer. So, my boy, do you think it'll snow tomorrow? I don't know. Well, we sure could use some snow. Had the chains on since July. <laughs> my father had a stroke a few years ago. He didn't really. We just say that to explain his personality. <laughs> the peanut is neither a pea nor a nut. So, I hear you're an actress. Oh, wait. It is a nut. 
<laughs> yes, my first movie comes out next week. Oh, I see. You're just dating my son till he gives you a good review. Then you'll drop him and he'll be back here with one of those nice girls from the escort service. <laughs> I mean, Franklin Sherman is sort of the Ralph Wiggum yeah. of the critic in and a from way. That start, yeah. That's him at his most subdued. He's very yeah. subdued. He'll be yeah. flying planes later in, and stealing Guernica. And, uh, <laughs> it's planned to rise within, yeah. within minutes on the show. Like, Quick draw McGraw parodies. Right. And uh, Popeye. But, yeah, Garrett Graham, like, it blew my mind. Uh, Years after watching the critic seeing Phantom of the Paradise, yes. oh, right. he is beef in yeah. that. Who's like this bizarre, like glam rock character, and like <laughs> I can't believe it's the same guy. My my favorite Franklin line Acting. is is uh, Milknarf. <laughs> you can say your name backwards. Milknarf. What's your favorite food? Milknarf. <laughs> <laughs> He's just. Yeah. say if I could be any vegetable, I'd be a carrot. <laughs> is that him too? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I have to do my favorite, though. What is it? As the first black female head of the KKK, (laughs) I say, America sucks. (laughs) <laughs> that was when he was running for president. When he was running for president. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, I forgot that he was the mayor of New York. Like that, that was, he, or he had been a mayor, governor that, of New that, York in his background. That's why Ed Koch is the only uh, eligible bachelor that uh, his the daughter that's knows. Right. That's right. They, they talked about how... So the idea that Jay is adopted by obscenely waspy people, and oh, that's God. great. Yeah. It's great character background. And they talk about how... To create the characters of Franklin I was gonna and, mention and his this, mother, yeah. that Algina Reese went to Harvard. They <laughs> got out of their Harvard yearbook and found those exact people in the collection of <laughs> blue bloods so in the Harvard yearbook. They live on forever through the critic. And I mean, uh, Eleanor is basically Catherine Hepburn, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> she's so good. Just so cruel. like just the Acidic. She, she's yeah. like a template mm-hmm. for the mom in Arrested Development almost. Uh, her and Lucille yeah. have, yeah. A little, have yeah. more than a little bit in she's common. She's less drinky. Yes. Than Lucille. Yeah. Not that Eleanor doesn't drink. No, no. But, but Franklin is more of the drinky type. Yes, but the So Eleanor... what what is his deal, by the way? I mean, is he just an alcoholic that he loses mind? Is he explain... does he have dementia? I think it was sort of explained like it it is alcoholism. Yeah. Right. Because there's that episode later where they get lost on the desert island and he stops drinking and You're becomes right. that's right. He he, he oh, yeah, a very right. intelligent like Superman gets immediately physically fit. But he's still talking to animals. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, he's still well, talking to a penguin. He's penguins ha- can't fly. Because the penguin was trying to fly the plane. That's penguins true. can't fly. Yeah. A penguin. And he's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> the, the mother's cruelty. I, I love Eleanor just as much as Franklin. And that, that just Jay's face, she's just like, those nice girls in the escort service. Well, so it. acidic. Like the running guy brings gag. prostitutes to meet his parents. <laughs> yeah, just the running guy. No one believes she's really dating. Yeah, him. nobody. Every can single possibly. person yeah. they meet is I like, mean, yeah, uh, she's using you. Margot kind of investigates her. Try yeah. to like kind of interrogates her rather. Margot's the closest thing to a normal person in this world. Yeah, yeah. 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 Played by Nancy Cartwright. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Normal woman like her playing someone. Who's probably about fifteen years younger than she is at the time of recording? Yeah, she's a I, teenager, right, or yeah. like yeah. Uh, late teens. Late teens. She's. I mean, she has her debutante ball, which would put her at, I believe, seventeen. Yeah. Well, she goes to. They say the name of her school, Miss Something School, finishing for, school, or something. Or, or, Miss Something School for Untouched Girls. Oh, something right. Like that. <laughs> I think they even say on the commentary that they. They went for so many different women, and they eventually just were like, eh, Nancy. Yeah, it's a good voice. I like Nancy's natural voice. Well, okay, I'm going to do my line of the show... Because I I love this, but it's also one of, like, the darkest jokes in the whole show, too. (laughs) 
I just, I just made that up. <laughs> That's the line of the show, Jingle Everybody. It's, for, it's from the cruise control. Yeah. <laughs> Valerie, how'd you like to go for a ride? Sure. Jay, are you coming? Sorry, I had a very bad experience with a horse once. Now, before I let you ride the pony, are you sure you weigh less than 80 pounds? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> patches. <laughs> no! The patches is great. I can, I can just see the celery being snapped. Yes. <laughs> the audio on that is perfect yeah yes. especially without the visuals you just oh <laughs> terrible so crunch but it, that was a very simpson-y moment too of just looking to the sky screaming no that's true we just saw that in homer the vigilante actually and also i think of this line all the time anytime i bend over and knock something over with my butt huh. why does everyone have such a hard time believing i love jay how can i put this for one thing his butt sticks out like an air conditioner Ooh, a daffodil. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one that was all over the commercials too. I felt yeah. like every in the, before this show aired, I remember seeing. Uh huh. Fat man butt on on ABC. Yeah. <laughs> can Can I tell you my line of the show? Because oh. we just went past it. The the end of the dinner scene. I'm going oh. to I'm going to work this into my my uh, discussions way more often. Can't one dinner go by without you talking about your rotting corpse? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You have to yeah. you have to imagine what happened before. <laughs> How many times? So we see another Simpsons device in which they're doing social commentary through a fake video game. Yeah, yeah. Escape from New York is that what it's uh, called? Escape from New York, the, the Big, apple. Big Apple, the Big Apple. Yeah, not blah the film. blah blah. So <laughs> this is. This is the Larry the Looter joke, except with more New York specifics. Yeah. Hurry up, Dad. You've only got ten seconds to get to Long Island. Uh oh, Yankee Stadium is emptying out. And it's Pickle Bear Day! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the Reverend Al Sharpton! Blah 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 he dressed a little differently before then when he was a, <laughs> yeah. say, a guest star on the uh, Morton Downey. Oh, shit. If you, if you only oh, knew him was, from the Morton Downey Jr. He was Jr. even show. worse. than He was more crass than Bill O'Reilly, that's for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, no, Morton Downey Jr. But, but the, uh, Al Sharpton more was More like on. an early Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah. But that, but Al, but that Morton Downey Jr. had on Al Sharpton many times because he could count on him like we're going to scream at each other a lot and everybody's <laughs> going to love it. Mm-hmm. You can draw a direct line of him to Bill O'Reilly, to Glenn Beck, to Sean Hannity. He is this guy. And Morton Downey Jr. will live on forever as Morton Koopa Jr. in the <laughs> Mario series. Can you believe they they have to live with that reference? Well, that Morton Downey Jr. chain smoked on every show, and he was just like, "I'm healthy. I'm gonna live forever." Like cancer within a decade. And he was yeah. like, no, actually smoking's bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he did that like smoking cessation thing. It's like, am I paid? Of course I am. They gave me my life back. No. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, uh, a landmark moment's coming up, right? Well, yeah. so they introduced the kind of a sloppy ADR line. They set up that Jay doesn't want to review her movie because he doesn't want to not like it, which honestly, as a as a critic who has not reviewed something because I know people involved in it, 
That's all you do. You just say, well, yeah. I'm too close to this thing. I'm not going to review it. Like, Yeah, but Duke mm-hmm. probably would not buy that. I guess in Jay's world that you yeah. don't get yeah. away with We don't have that conversation, which is a little bit odd. Like, yeah, he doesn't uh, actually ever go to Duke and say, I can't do this. Duke's just insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. I guess sending him the tape is Duke insisting on yeah. it. But, uh, yes, it, as he explains why he is trying to get out of it, we get another landmark first in the show. Honey, I heard you were sick. Oh, yes, I am. Much too sick to see your movie. Ah, ah. <laughs> and I like how later Acham becomes his eating sound. Like, Acham, Acham, Acham. Oh, no, I'm allergic to shellfish. <laughs> it, it, uh, I mean, that was a John Lovitz uh, uh, you hear it thing in, in The, the Simpsons. Simpsons appearance. Yeah. Like, that yeah. was just a Lovitzism that snuck in. I mean, I think he's making everything he does just more Jewish. Is that like a, a more Jewish way of playing your throat? <laughs> Turn it up just a tiny it's, bit. It's, yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's great for clearing your throat. Try it at home. Yeah. I prefer Ackham as his catchphrase than the more labored catchphrase. We'll get to in a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, and, but then we get, I think, to the standout moment in the episode. Oh, yeah. It's, let's, ah, yes. let's just listen to the whole thing. Oh, it's beautiful. A story told through time Happening in New York He's a lemon, she's a lime. Beauty and King Dog. <laughs> He's Adam to her She's Mindy to his mark. Her hair's like silk. He's had a wig. Beauty and King Dork. <laughs> what did you say? Huh? Oh, I, I said, uh, how useful is the spork? <laughs> you know, that spoon fork thing you get at Kentucky Fried Chicken? I covered that up pretty well. <laughs> that is such an Al Jean Mike Reese thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, what, that the sequence. Singing, the singing Dustbuster and Toilet. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, I mean, whenever they whenever they cut to his face singing Beauty and King Dork, that final line, my heart breaks every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so well animated. Yeah. It, I That scene touches me so much because it's him. You know that it's all in his head, but just he's like, Beauty. Yeah. And just him going like, finally, I have a beautiful, like, the, I, I'm in love. I'm so in love. I'm with this beautiful person. Yeah. And I finally feel happy as this, like, ugly loser. <laughs> that's what it t- It does touch me in a certain way. That I've just And that's his dream of yeah. it. Yeah, and we missed earlier, like, uh, teenagers were spraying painting King Dork on his car. Uh, yeah. that's, uh, yes. that's where that reference comes uh, yeah. from. But I wanted to point out that uh, Rich Moore started the company Rough Draft, an animation studio. Mm. They were pioneers in computer animation for mm-hmm. television. Yes. They, in fact, animated The Max on MTV, which was like a sort of a breakout oh, wow. uh, show in terms of doing things with computers. Animated is a loose term. On <laughs> they moved around shapes with computers. <laughs> yes. But this scene is definitely just like uh, just an amazing scene for TV in 94. Yeah. Approximating yeah. the Beauty and the Beast camera pullout with CGI. I mean, it is for TV. It looks a little more primitive. But the, the fact that they were able to do that, they had to admit that ambition in the pilot yeah, is they, amazing. When you see how in later episodes, especially with clip shows, you're like, oh, did you run out of money? When you see this at first episode, you're like, well, I'd see how you ran out of money if that was. This was Rough Draft, who, uh, and this is credited specifically to Scott Vanzo. Brother oh, Scott Vanzo and, uh, and Rich Moore, I think, started the company. Yeah, yeah. and that, uh, along with Greg Vanzo, Greg who Vanzo also too, worked yeah. in, And mm-hmm. that Rough Draft is based in Korea, and Rough Draft would be the primary animators on Futurama. That's right, lots so this, of CGI. And that, yeah, this is them testing out their Futurama Ooh. chops of CGI. Uh, yeah, this I didn't realize 
realize that, that yeah, how much CGI there was, in, and then putting it into historical context. I mean, the, they use CGI in the same shot in Beauty and the Beast in '91, mm. mm-hmm. but Toy Story is not out yet. There That's has true, not yeah. been a feature length. Well, it, it, it was still handle. like you know we'd see like Disney Channel featurettes at the time back when Disney Channel mm-hmm. didn't have commercials about like here's how computers are helping animation. It was like this scene from the Great Mouse Detective in this giant yeah. clock. But I just wanted to point out additional historical context. The critic began with great for the era computer animation and mm-hmm. ended with terrible computer oh. animation. Oh, yeah. which one? Is that? What did it end with? The, the Flash series on Adam Films. Oh, oh, you're right. Technically, that was computer animation. That yeah. doesn't have that. That is non-canonical in my memories uh-huh. of the critic. <laughs> he should never not be with Alice, but they couldn't get her yes. back. Yeah. It's it's it was just him. So I was like, I don't like, like this. Just we, him we and like a, some other uh, female character. Some new character, yeah. yeah. But they couldn't get Charles Napier and uh, Doris Grau was dead, and Park Overall was too expensive. So mm. yeah, so it's just a bummer. Yeah. But I wonder if if Rough Draft also handled it too when he goes beauty and king dork because that felt like fuller animation it looked like mm. disney just yeah. like a custom you know a custom a mouth chart or something for that line or just <laughs> some guy just sat down and was like i want to make this beautiful because when it cuts to the next camera angle of that scene it's like oh no this is normal critic animation now like yeah. and and then you get a very john lovitzy talk to the camera like cover that up pretty well which Burns says that exact yes. line in Treehouse yes. of Part 3. He's like, the uh, bathing beauty, the bathing beauty. I covered that up pretty well. I was wondering which episode it was, but I remember that being a Burns line. Frinky Ack. I was yeah. able to just look it up. You put in those exact words. That's, thank you, Frinky Ack. So he thinks he tricked her as not to be. They send a VHS tape to him and that he is wearing He's wearing uh, one of many jokes they have of him wearing promotional clothes in bed. Yeah, even though uh, he makes a lot of money. A, but, a My Own Private Idaho t-shirt which I guess yes. the joke is that they would even make that and yeah. then backdraft boxers which make more sense that is funnier yeah. I, I think my favorite one of those is like uh, for the boys it's for the boys underwear uh I wonder if the My Own Private Idaho is a is meant to be a gay joke. It was a gay film. It was, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I do sleep in promotional clothing a lot. Yeah, because I'm not going to wear it outside. Yeah, it's I finally, perfect for that. I finally have cycled through all my promotional clothing. I don't have promotional. I don't want to say I would definite, but I definitely don't wear it outside anymore. I do sleep in a Phoenix Wright t-shirt a lot. <laughs> so then, when he's forced to watch the film "Kiss of Death," he is. Uh, we get the first use of his real catchphrase, which even Mike Reese admits was a very sweaty used to give a guy a cash later used uh, by millhouse but again, the simpsons another very quotable line i will say it Hachi. every now and then mm-hmm. not hachi machi but the something else yep ah come on how bad could she be she's wonderful come on baby give me a kiss oh i'll give you a <laughs> kiss all right a kiss of death <laughs> machi she's awful uh, but yeah, how so, does yeah. Like a kiss of death? Yeah, so, kiss of death. Mike, Michael, is my, Michael. Michael is my husband, so he yeah. can vouch for me. Yeah, was you that and wedding I... ceremony? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, actually, you like, kiss when, the bride. I'll give you a kiss. When I'll Diana and I kiss, first right. met, uh, our our love of the critic was one of the things that we bonded over, Aww. and like we kept quoting Adorable. that line at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a kiss. All right, yeah. a kiss, a kiss of death. Of death. <laughs> 
We did miss my favorite line of the show, actually, oh. in the in the pre oh, no. Beauty and King Dork scene. I love Jay saying, "We men have petals too, you know." Oh, that's yes. creepy. <laughs> I, that I don't want to. I've really about opened that. up. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> I love I how creepy I don't it is. Think about where the petals are. I don't want to think about Jay Sherman's petals. No. I had to play that line in the show jingle again since you said that. <laughs> I just, I just made that up. <laughs> His petals are just very large skin tags. Oh, you made it worse, Michael. You made it worse. Oh, oh, oh think about that. Well, so then we hear about Jay's. Jay has a real dilemma now. Oh, Doris, I'm about to do a review that could cost me the woman I love. Gee, that's tough. Sometimes I think this job isn't worth two hundred and seventy-one thousand a year. Two hundred and seventy-one thousand. Ah! Ah! Put it out! Put out my head! You did that on purpose! So what if I did? I'm union. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of money for a film critic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the world was smaller. When was this? Uh, 94. Well, three. This is January 94. But pre-internet, the, the price yeah. of criticism was much higher. But, well, have, but, have we... Has anyone done uh, what that is in, uh, for inflation? Uh, no, I, I, right I do not. That's like 400K or but something. 271,000? 271K, Take a quick step back. Hachi Mantri, they talk about, like, this was our attempt to manufacture a catchphrase. Yes. And it never caught on. No, it really didn't. And that he said he got it from, like, a... But I say it sometimes. Hachi. I say it sometimes, yeah. And I never say that. I got way more catchphrase. Yeah. I, I would much sooner say crows... You know you want me, baby. <laughs> I say buck a buck or whizzle wuzzle. <laughs> whizzle wuzzle. All right, so if you want to know, $271,000 in January 94 is $450,000 oh, nice. today. I, would, I assume honestly, it was over four hundred k. Honestly, to be a television personality who films a weekly show seemingly without break, as Jay does... That's Pre- presumably not, with nationwide coverage. Yeah, on on cable, that's not a bad. Like that's kind of low, honestly. I had heard Damn. through the grapevine the type of stuff that, say, Adam Sessler and Olivia Munn were making on G Four. Now, when you would think, like, what do people make on G Four? Nobody watches that. They made a lot more than that uh-huh. uh, a year on that show. Yeah. I, I don't want to talk out of school, but so. Just think about that, like cable personalities, despite being useless and only used for <laughs> clips up. on YouTube, like they get paid a lot of money. And Jay has a really nice apartment. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not as nice as Doris's, though, as we'd see later. Oh, you're right, yeah. yeah. And well, because she... it's rent-controlled since 1947. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's just so ready to bash her head in. But yeah, here's a reference kind of lost to time. This no one is mentions... really lost to time. I mean, I, f- I feel like the Butler show we all know more than this is Mr. Belvedere, probably. Yeah. That, that has gone on to be better better remembered than Mr. a family Be- affair. Mr. Or... Belvedere ate family affairs lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean... So the critic was obsessed with Brando. Yes. Yeah. They, well, Maurice LaMarche was obsessed. With, they were all obsessed with Brando. Yeah, and so I mean, they just couldn't stop doing it. It was an easy way to make fat jokes. Well, so, uh... you get easy fat jokes, and you can make jokes about somebody being paid a lot to do a bad job, which yeah. was Marlon Brando's job at that time. Tonight, we'll be reviewing Family Affair, the motion picture. Just look who got $8 million to play Mr. French. Buffy, Zodi. For your lunch, I have made peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Would you make a sandwich for my doll, Mrs. Beasley? 
Yeah, sure. That's exactly what I feel like doing. Of course I can get together a little sandwich for your stupid little doll. Hang on a sec. <laughs> I mean, this is not too outlandish because we just had the opening of Car 54, Where Are You, the movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this is not too crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that feels like a parody in and of itself. Although, too. to this day, the only thing I know about A Family Affair is comes from like an onion column from Jean Teasdale. Oh, where God. she like spends a crazy amount of time and money trying to track down a Mrs. Beasley doll. That does seem very That's of right. her character, yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, Gene Teasdale is one of my all-time yeah, favorites. she's great. I need to buy that book. The book of Gene Zone is so great. Oh, wow. And Family Affair never did get a film version. The closest thing it got was a 2002 UPN reboot. Oh, no. And uh, mm. the man playing Mr. French was... Tim Curry. Oh, really? No. Yes. He's better oh, than that. He, and he deserves so much better. It, it lasted half a season. I mean, so, yeah. he would literally do anything. I think he was in most CD-ROM games in the 90s. Yes. <laughs> and the show was produced, both the original and the remake, by Sid and Marty Croft. Oh. History's so, wow. greatest monsters. They're, they're purveyor of child <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> whenever purveyors. They tried to make fun. They wanted to make fun things. They didn't want to They, they wanted to make live-action cartoons that were insanely creepy nightmares. Yeah, it's like... That inspire creepypasta internet memes to this I've, day. I've destroyed my mind with acid. Time to make children's programming. <laughs> Whenever I say their names, I want to say the Mr. Show parody of Sid and Criminy Craft. Yeah. yeah. Back then, Criminy eating an orange Craft. is like taking a drive through a citrus mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay gives her a bad review. A nice bad review. Oh, he's, yeah. so, he's, he's so very, polite. Very yeah, he's soft. like, oh, she tried her best. But... Yeah, and, and there are then... plenty of actors that got better over yeah. time. Sally Field did not start out a great actress. This does not make Valerie look good. I'll say, like, she's not treated very well by the show. And I do love the... I love the visual joke of Franklin saying, his nose is as big as my foot. See? (laughs) Which I thought was a joke from a later episode. Yeah, Yeah. incredible. So the way she acts in this scene is so different from how she acts in every other scene that... it does make you think she really was just sleeping with him for the review. I mean, the intent is just like, we have to have her leave the show now. <laughs> oh, and also but, we get another celebrity that can't stop popping up because one actor wants to do oh, it. Oh, you're right. You're short, you're fat, and even for a film critic, you're ugly. <laughs> That's a good actor. Oh, I see. You want me to beg. Well, there's one thing you didn't count on. I have no pride. Please. <laughs> Please, please, please. Denise, if you come back to me, I'll give up gambling for good. What a loser. <laughs> Soon Yi, I, I swear I didn't know she was your sister. Oh, man. That's a dark, dark, dark uh, joke. Yeah. Yeah. In case yeah. you don't know, this Are was... That- this was my introduction to Woody Allen. I never oh in 1994. God. I had never seen a Woody Allen movie. Like even when March, I didn't know the name of that person was Woody Allen. I didn't know who Soon Yi was. Like I, it was. Yeah, I think it was in, until after Marge makes the joke of like, "Did you see the new Woodsy Allen movie?" Oh right. When, I just don't like that then. nervous fellow who's always in him. <laughs> <laughs> but in case you didn't know. Woody Allen uh, was with Mia Farrow, who had adopted many children, and mm-hmm. in a totally not creepy way, he started dating <laughs> one of her adopted daughters while he was married to her. Oh, which man. he tries to play off as, like, I never even saw her as a father. Like, which work. also just says, like, oh, so you were a horrible father who was just like, eh, fuck you, kids. Like, there is right. a... Um, I there... mean, it's your... He had children, or at least one child, with Mia Farrow, so yeah. this is your, your kid's sister. Mm-hmm. 
And and then there's also some stuff with the Pharaoh's biological children too. Yeah. And, uh, um, but yeah. so in 1992, publicly, he was like, "Fine, I'm just with her," and he married her. And ever since then, it's just been like it's just this very disgusting fact of a guy who who is mm-hmm. like separate the in the the artist is dead scenario. He makes great films that are he's made many great films that are just like what a great filmmaker, but. When you know the man who's just like, you're a piece of shit. Like, yeah. you should be in jail. I mean, view all of his films through that lens. I mean, Manhattan yeah. is hard to watch now. but uh, Especially it, Manhattan. It generated one of my favorite King of the Hill lines where uh, Nancy is trying to find a way to continue cheating on Dale. And she tells Peggy, like, the heart wants what it wants. Woody Allen. And she turns away. And Peggy's like, Nancy, he he married his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is yeah. a good line. Well, yeah. I mean, to his credit, they're still together. Apparently. They are uh, all these, you know, twenty blood years. And I'm later. sure it's a very equal relationship well, between it's two. Interesting. It's really interesting that if you've ever seen a documentary where they are interacting together, uh, she bosses the shit out of him, mm-hmm. and then he says really cruel things about her behind her back. Oof. Yeah, like Yuck. he'll he'll just look at the camera and be like, "When she was a kid, she was eating garbage in Korea." Jesus like, God. This Whoa. is weird, guys. Cool. This is I, weird. Was that in his clarinet movie? Yes. <laughs> Barfo. It was interesting. I can't go to the Oscars because I have to play my clarinet at a club like eat shit. Yeah. Yeah. The Steve anyway. Allen show ended, Woody. If I, if I can bring it back to a slightly more pleasant topic, <laughs> yes. uh, which is actually going to be much more horrible, is that uh, in the very next shot after her bus leaves and the Woody Allen walks by, he follows her to the airport to the the gate of her airport mm. and for those of you who have never been in airports before 9-11 happened you used to be able to oh, go yeah. right up to the gate without a ticket you do that all yeah. the time yes that's, that's why you can that's never... where you would meet people when they deplaned post yeah. 9-11 ruined the don't get on that plane scene from mm-hmm. i mean comedy. Yeah. I, I think they're playing off of that in which like jay is not arriving at the last minute he's begging her all the way up until she leaves <laughs> yes. on the plane and then he won't he won't let go, but that also feels like a very Simpson, Gene and Reese Simpson-y thing of, that is a very dark ending. The dark mm-hmm. ending is just like, no, you're alone, and crying alone at the mm-hmm. airport. And then they have to give, like, okay, 30 seconds of sweetness, because we yeah. can't leave you on that feeling. And he's saying, like, you'll be back to the plane as it's flying <laughs> away. <laughs> you'll be back. Also, is it weird that a movie actress has to take the bus to the airport? Hmm. Yeah. Well, her movie sucks. Well, so. she's not a famous movie actress. Well, she should have taken the cab that we went past with That's the driver that says, mm. look at sign. Uh, <laughs> driver I speaks that. only three words of English. <laughs> I love, that is a rec- that is the recurring cab driver, but yeah. I just love the, the look at sign. The, yeah, the so cyclical ranking. nature of look at sign. Yeah. Driver uh, only speaks three words of English. Later, Jay teaches English for cab drivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, right, I get through yeah. every day with lithium. <laughs> <laughs> lithium. Oh, man. I, I, I want to do all these critic episodes. Don't yeah. give our audience any ideas. Listening to Howard Stern and Howard Stern says something about a toilet it's like ha ha toilet <laughs> <laughs> so in 1994 oh boy it seems really weird to do like a shot at seinfeld like this is this isn't particularly nice to Seinfeld. I, I, it could be crueler i suppose i but. think they're making fun of the voice of seinfeld and the natural i mean not the voice of jerry seinfeld but the voice of the show and the naturalistic dialogue well, where it's, it's like marty's comment to me makes it sound like that is writers saying they think this is naturalistic, but it isn't. It sounds false. Yeah, but I guess I guess the the joke is that they're fooling America into thinking like I, uh, yeah. 
But it's just weird to see a sitcom take a shot at Seinfeld, of all things. Yeah, like, even The Simpsons kind of laid off, you know. Yeah. I thought you were taking Kathy out tonight. Why do they call it taking out? I took her to a restaurant. It wasn't out, it was in. I would say I'm taking her in, but then she sounds like a pair of pants. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you laughing, Dad? This is how people actually talk. And speaking of Woody Allen, it's I believe Jerry Seinfeld. Is Seinfeld, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Nick Jameson doing George Costanza. Uh-huh. But uh, speaking of Woody Allen, I believe Seinfeld was dating a 17-year-old at the time. So, uh, yes. And again, he would which, not live that down in, like today. Which became the plot of a Married with Children episode. You're right. Where yeah. Yeah. Like the Seinfeld uh, analog is dating... Um, Kelly? Kelly, Kelly yeah. Bundy, yeah. That's right, Jesus. Man, uh, uh, he but, lived that down. It's amazing. But mm-hmm. when Marty just says, like, uh, Marty laughs too hard... To tell you that like this isn't funny, or I love I, I love the the joke of Kramer busting into the whoa yeah, whoa. <laughs> uh, that could be a joke on Seinfeld. To be fair, it could be. It's 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 eighty percent as good as yeah. There be there be a little more to it. I think slightly more, but yeah, it was it was a weird direct joke at Seinfeld, and uh, and then they just go see a Stallone movie. It's a joke about. They they had some sacred cows that I think that was like future proofing them like okay who's been in bad movies you can make fun of for like the last decade Schwarzenegger Stallone yeah. William mm-hmm. Shatner yep they could do every one of those Rhinestone he survived Rhinestone yeah. <laughs> he and, is unkillable uh, in this unnamed Stallone movie he plays a concert pianist yeah. who yeah. to the multiplex yep, that's that's how Jay gets his groove back yeah. dumping on a shitty movie mm-hmm. but I feel you buddy. That's true. That's true. I do love the little sting. It's a very heartwarming sting. Every episode ends with is like bum bum bum. Yeah. yeah it, I, I don't know where it comes from or if it's just you know it, yeah, made bum, by Alf Clausen. It's a. It kind is of it from you, the theme song. Uh, no, it's it's it really? just kind of mirrors the theme song a bit. Yeah, but it's it leaves you with more of a upbeat thing than just the Simpsons like da 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 da. Yeah. Like da da. It's it's a more strong feeling. It brings you out with a better mood, I think. Yes. And so there's one recurring joke they do every episode that The Simpsons doesn't do, which is a post-credit stinger that, well, not even stinger, but it's like a post-credits joke that changes out each time. And It's very this, MST3K almost, with the way the credits run. This is the first one of them, and I think, honestly, the weakest one they ever did. Excuse me, sir. The show's over. Get away, zit face. Yeah. But that is their squeaky voice team. I feel like they did different ones for a while, but then didn't they start recycling them after a while? I think they maybe had like 10 total. But I have nowhere to go. That is easily the best. I'm stuck in the chair. No, I I have nowhere else to go. Do we we see the Gracie Films logo after we see Jay's back of his head in in the movie theater? I think we do. We cut from a movie theater to another movie theater. (laughs) And and also that Jay, in a very like moment-breaking scene that he has to say like, all celebrity voices were impersonated. No celebrities were harmed in the filming of this episode. That they have to, even though it's all over the screen too, that just to be so lawyer-proof. Like, oh yeah, these are all impersonations. Yeah. They're not the real people. Beavis and Butthead are cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the no celebrities were harmed thing were them trying to like bury the legality of it. Like, no, it's a joke. See, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, South Park has been doing that since the first episode. That's true. Too. That's true. Yeah. 
it was a really good first episode. The show would get mean. It would get slightly less mean. Though I think like the fat little pig episode is just cruel. <laughs> oh yeah. Or the it's episode really where he's just canceled because everyone hates him. <laughs> it's like, man, this is yeah. me. ABC was not ready for this, but I feel like everyone but Franklin is sort of who they will always be. Franklin would get turned up maybe like three notches. Yeah. His yeah. dad. Mm. But uh, I feel like every they kind of established everybody like very strongly from the beginning. Yeah. Well, Duke gets to be nicer to him as yeah. the show goes on. And mm. Duke gets and they also talk about how like they would they would flanderize Duke too of like It'd be funny if your character cried here or <laughs> sang a song to a cat. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, did, they did that shit all the time with, with Duke. Are they? He, he has a, he runs a KFC style chain and like just keeps biscuits in his, po- in his pockets. Oh, yes. And Alice is like, you keep biscuits in your pants? And Jay's like, yes. Oh, you were talking to him. <laughs> uh, well, isn't his network called like Duke's blah, blah, blah in, for, in House of Waffles? And yes. Yeah. Waffles? Yeah. Like, right. yeah. You see that uh, on the establishing shot all the time. Wait till you see the muffin shoot. <laughs> there there's so many there's there are a million great critic jokes i think this episode as a pilot in their first one it holds up really well i think even on the commentary al Jean says that for animation which he has a ton of experiences he sees the first season as an entire pilot you all you learn everything in the first season because nobody sees it until the whole season is done in animation or close to it so then the second season is really your reaction to that and so that's the critic too that they made critic in a vacuum oh also i didn't even mention judd apatow it was another hire on the show oh wow he I he's think only a, wrote a script in the second season. But he's listed as a producer? He's a consulting producer. Consulting he's, producer. he's on the end there. But he also, when there's going to be a Jane Leno impersonation in the show, that's Apatow. He's, oh. He did Jane Leno on the Ben Stiller show as well. Yeah, see, I yeah. remember because I, I, I saw Ben Stiller show and then uh, noticed the name, you know, at the at the end. And then when I saw this and noticed the same name and was like, Apatow, huh? Mm. And some... I think this young man might be going somewhere. <laughs> and some writers like Ken Keeler would start on yeah. The Critic, jump to The Simpsons, and then go to Futurama. Futurama so, yeah. uh, like, this is sort of a, I don't know, they're, they're, they're crossbreeding a lot with different it, shows. It's, it's very insane for yeah. sure but i mean ken keeler you listen to him on commentaries like you were born to do futurama you he is, are the dorkiest math nerd in the world he's the nerdiest guy on any simpsons or futurama commentary nerdier yeah. than david x cohen nerdier than al Jean. he is like beyond nerdy it's, so. it's incredible how, how yeah. nerdy ken keeler is and he's right <laughs> and day you're a cool guy if you're listening to this ken keeler he is great anyway yeah i think this uh pilot holds up pretty well i wouldn't mind doing more critiquing critics in the future but I'm in. i just wanted us to like we had approached the premiere of the critic and we talked about the critics so much in the in talking simpsons up to this point that i felt like we had to do the first we, episode we got 90 minutes out of it and yeah. uh, uh spoilers we may be uh talking about another show that premiered shortly afterwards in another mm. special uh, so but, but if i have know, my way yes do let us know in the comments nicely please if you if you like this and wouldn't mind us because you know there's there is easily a half dozen shows that are tangentially related to the simpsons or somewhat spun off to the simpsons that when in chronological order we get to their premiere we could do like and uh, king of the hill futurama <laughs> mission hill behind the scenes info we we talked about it we only have so many really good episodes of the simpsons left probably maybe yeah. two years of our time left uh, of the show that we really like we gotta pad it out yeah then with so, other shows these, these specials help us get uh, extend that time a bit 
But I hope you guys liked it. And how do you guys? How do you guys? Uh, well, Michael, you've never been on a Talking Simpsons before. That's I true. Guess I haven't. Officially, isn't one. But mm. did you enjoy your time, Michael? I did quite a bit. Uh, I can't. I can't wait to see the comments that are. You know, I actually think with this show, we're less likely to see comments saying, "I can't stand Bob and Henry's politics," <laughs> and also Michael's dead on impersonation of my voice. Who are these <laughs> fandom creeps on my laser time? <laughs> <laughs> they should make their own show. I don't get that at all. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. mean, if you want more of these kind of things, give us give us more money. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Buy like my money. book. And Buy I, my book. I have to say also rewatching this, like going in, I was like, did I even see the pilot? Do I remember this? And it was like, I thought this, like all this stuff happened much later in the series in yeah. a bunch of different episodes, yeah, like Beauty and King Dork, the the whole thing with uh, with Valerie and uh, a lot of this is in the clip shows. They use yeah, several yeah. seasons in the clip it's shows. It's probably the That's strongest true. animated pilot for a primetime show I've seen. Yeah, maybe I think so. How useful is the spork? Yes. <laughs> I'll spork your ass. So yeah, this has been a talking critic, I guess, uh, temporarily. And I've been your host, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also write about video games every damn day for fandom. Go to fandom.com to, to read that. Every other Thursday for the past decade plus, I've been writing a comedy article for Something Awful. Go to somethingawful.com to read those. And my other podcast is Retronauts. Every Monday at retronauts.com. There is a new episode about a new topic. We've been doing it forever. So if you want to listen to the show, just find a topic you like and listen to that episode. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Uh, Go to retronauts.com or search for Retronauts in your podcast machine or iTunes or whatever the hell you use to listen to podcasts. Everybody else. I'm H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Keep checking me there. I also write for Phantom.com like Bob. And, of course, this is all brought to you by Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And it is what supports this show. It keeps this home studio open where we can record this. And it is the home of the first season of Talking Simpsons as well as our three season two three and four wrap up specials so much great stuff there just five dollars a month gets you access to it and it helps support us and there's tons of more exclusive things there and plus if you want to see and or if you want to see more videos and listen to more laser time podcasts check out lasertimepodcast.com i'm doing this all on chris's behalf here since he isn't here but i know two podcasts in particular that you guys want to plug right michael yes well i mean if you're a regular listener of talking simpsons and and you usually download this from uh, your iPhone or Android device and don't go to lasertimepodcast.com, it's entirely possible that you've never heard of my filthy, stupid podcast about <laughs> video games, Vigigame Apocalypse, which has me and Chris Antista and Dave Rudden and a cycling fourth chair that changes from week to week. Bob uh, and I have done it several times. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Each. Uh, and hopefully soon again. We start out every week with a top five about some esoteric topic that I usually think up the day before. And uh, talk about new releases and other stuff. It's it's a it's a fun time if you like the video games. And uh, I'm also on a podcast, but not about video games because I don't know shit about video games. But I do know shit about old stuff because I am one. Uh, I am on thirty twenty ten. Old stuff. I am an old stuff. Old stuff. I'm an old stuff. Yes, <laughs> it's not quite. It's like double stuff. Is that, is that like your Dungeons stuff. and Dragons race? Old stuff. <laughs> yes, old stuff. I'm one of the elder gods. Uh, I live beneath the sea, dreaming. About 302010, a podcast uh, about the this particular week in pop culture history 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. So if you want to hear about what was going on heading into summer 1987, 97, 07, we will talk about it. 
If you liked all our references or explanations of dated references in this episode, That's then you like will love the that show. That's the whole thing. That's yeah. just all we do of like, what the fuck is this movie? Well, uh, we'll find out. And seriously, if you like this one or you want to hear more critic episodes, maybe tell a friend at tell us about it on Twitter. Or if you're like, we only want Simpsons. I subscribe to this for Simpsons. Nicely say that, I guess, if you but want But how can to. you like The Simpsons and not like The Critic? I it don't understand. I wouldn't yeah. watch The Critic for half an hour. I'm not going to listen to your show for three times that long. <laughs> it also, is getting that long. Sony, who owns it, doesn't seemingly give a shit about it. It's oh, all on YouTube. It's all on like, YouTube, yeah. I got all oh these God. clips from YouTube. Like Every episode. From, wow. I didn't have to dig up my DVDs. Yeah. They're not even shrunken backwards and in German. Oh. They're just <laughs> all up on YouTube. Just straight the show. Don't even have to hide it. It's probably been there since 2007. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us on this special episode of Talking Simpsons. We'll be back next week with the Simpsons episode. Bart visits the box factory, everybody. <gasps> oh, See my then. God. Excuse me, sir. The show's over. But I have nowhere to go.